Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking good. Oh, wait. I'm going to hide myself. Do you ever hide yourself? I hide myself all the time. I'm going to be hiding you. Yes. <laughs> I have to be hidden, my friends. Please protect my identity. They're coming did, after me. Did you ever um, expect yourself to be so clandestine? Or is this a unexpected no. development? No. no. Is it kind of fun or just worrisome? No. Um, although I do like to I do like to wear wigs and dress up. Um, oh. Halloween is my favorite. You should have told me. Oh, you have some? Uh, but if I'm going to... No, well, I, uh, not not this time. I, I could get a funny hat on, but I don't, I don't know what we're gonna, how deep we're going to go and to what extent uh, <laughs> that will ruin my credibility and then put egg on your face. So. Well, this will not be a lighthearted discussion. I'll, I'll, <laughs> that, so. <laughs> I'll just tee it up that way. Let's Usually when I, when I speak, um, nobody walks away with a big smile on their face. Oh, wow. Okay. Is this a, like a lifelong phenomena for you? Gosh, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. I was fun. I was fun before I got hit in the face with the gender ideology pie. Mm. Um, we don't have to put this in the recording, but there was some news coming out of San Francisco about a uh, recall. I was wondering if you had any connection or knowledge of that. I don't know if you're in that area of the country. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, some uh, the, they're trying to recall some uh, school board um, people um, for being, I guess the technical term is asshats. <laughs> Wait, which school district is this? San Francisco. Oh, I would I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, all the school boards need to be. Um, they all they all need to be run out of town. But yeah. Lisa, grow, you know, get get some backbone. It's a big mess. Um, there's a lot of big messes right now. Um, but we can focus on just one and uh, discover how you discovered that. Sure. You said uh, gender ideology pie. Was it like a meringue or a pudding? <laughs> Um, it was a little more painful than that. So what's one with daggers in it? I don't oh, know. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. Like lychees or something like that? Or spicy mace? Mace pie? <laughs> mace pie. That, that's probably more like it. Clorox blinded me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm the... T Go ahead. You know, we're the typical ROGD story. Rapid onset of gender dysphoria. What age? 13. Okay. Um, what website? <laughs> oh, gosh, so many. Yeah. Where to, where to begin? 
Uh, she was actually uh, more groomed by an actual individual, a, a live person. Uh, with authority? Um, no, just a, a cooler 16-year-old. Hmm. And it came out of nowhere for you? Well, out of nowhere in that as a young child, she was uh, like absurdly girly, almost annoyingly so. Everything had to be pink and sparkly and flowers and um, didn't like anything boy related and I'm a bit of a tomboy myself so I had to learn some new tricks and um, learn to play dollhouse and American doll and Hmm. so (laughs) very traditional girly things and uh, then on the onset of puberty she started to just get a little down in the dumps, friend groups came and went. The normal kind of angst a kid goes through. Um, and then slowly moved away from all the girly stuff that she liked and uh, took on a new persona. Were there, um, uh, I have heard and read that there's crossover with, well, one, uh, undiagnosed for females, autism or spectrum, uh, like uh, neuro uh, formation or divergency, but I I don't understand what that term is because I don't think anybody's on the straight and narrow when it comes to the gray matter. But um, was there a proclivity for um, hypercategorization or very literalism or depression, depressive kind of? Before the puberty hit? No, no, nothing, nothing like that. Um, she really wanted one of those labels. She was searching for a mental health label. She wanted to be diagnosed with OCD or autism or ADHD. Like there's almost a, a competition among teenage girls to get the best mental health diagnosis and best, best meaning uh, the worst Um, So she was searching for that. So there was definitely a need to be labeled as something. Mm -hmm. Did you experience that uh, in the, in that time of your life? Were you searching for a label or? No, (laughs) no. I'm I'm a Gen Xer. So we did have like, we kind of had labels but not really by the time I was coming around, like even the nerd jock dichotomy, just everybody just kind of was, I mean, you're kind of cool or not cool, or you're, I guess a youth group kid or, you know, band kid or something like that. So we kind of defined ourselves over what we did or what we participated in, not what we were or are. Right. It wasn't a self given label. I think when we were growing up, you just acquired it. If you were sporty, you had the sporty label. If you were a nerd, you had the nerd label. I mean, I ran the gamut. I was a tomboy, sporty, a nerd. I was all of them. So I was just me. And that was actually, that's a dovetails into an interesting uh, discussion because after my daughter went to a teen, you know, went to, through teen talk um, here on the West Coast, they do teen talk, which is, I think 
nine hours of instruction about the birds and the bees. Um, That's when, you know, she came home with these, with a new label. She got rid of the OCD label or, and she got new labels and all of her friends got labels. They all put themselves in some kind of box. And, you know, as a parent, we raised our kids to not have any labels, like what you like, do what you do why there's you know 31 flavors of ice cream everybody likes a different flavor Hmm. um but just be don't Mm -hmm. you know don't limit yourself um and her teen talk i guess gave her a whole pull down menu of of boxes to be in you're pansexual you're bisexual you're polyamorous i mean they're in seventh grade you're they're not any of those things they're kids. I, I wonder where that box was. They didn't give them that option. Very bizarre. It is very bizarre. And the thought processes behind that, uh, we could go down a lot of different interpretive avenues. Like, why are those boxes being presented to developing minds who are in seventh grade eighth grade sixth grade you are in flux you're not really even a human being because every day you're changing and rearranging and stuff so i understand um if i would try to steel man it to inform uh these young minds that there's all these different inclusive ways of being there's no moral uh thing that you have to be not everybody has to be straight and then you know some people are gay but then that dichotomy had to be complexified and then get chopped up and sliced up and it's hard not to think that there's some sort of either intentional or unintentional malignant um will behind giving kids those labels but i I don't i don't know so how did you enter into discussion about sexuality in terms specifically of identity how did how did you guys navigate that um well i think first i i went in to find out what all these labels meant and what my child was being taught at the school um because literally all of her friends had some label. Nobody was straight. And they actually called straight kids basic. Like it was pejorative. Who wants to be that? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I went to, uh, I went to the, the parenting night on Teen Talk and to learn what, what was my, my kid exposed to. And um, that's when they went through this, you know, an hour of nobody's GI Joe and nobody's Barbie, but those are the ultimate man, woman, everybody's in the middle. And I said, well, that makes sense. That's, you know, that's a reasonable, I agree. Nobody's Barbie, nobody's GI Joe. And then the next hour they went into all the boxes again, all the labels, like where you fall in. And I just, I just kept asking questions. I said, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we saying we're all on a spectrum? But now you want everybody in this pigeonholed box. Um, It was nonsensical to me, just absolutely nonsensical. And I didn't think that much of it after I left um, the class, except to say, 
why am I the only one asking questions? Mm-hmm. Is this making sense to anyone? This doesn't make sense to me. Um, Were the trainers able to reason uh, their thinking? No, no. Eventually, eventually, they they told me to be quiet and to save my questions for the end. And then when the end came, they packed their stuff and ran out <laughs> ran out of there. Um, and I just looked around at the audience like, anybody buying this? I'm, I'm not buying this. Did you get any feedback from uh, the other parents? There were a couple other parents that were like, yeah, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. And we all kind of walked out there and thought innocently enough, you know, like big deal until I got hit in the face with the pie. Until my daughter then said, well, I'm trans. And now I, then I look back and I said, well, this is how you got here. Okay. Was she able to reason through these categories from um, girly and then not being girly and then wanting to be this kind of sexual, that kind of sexual, and then be this gender thing? Uh, well, she tried to deny her history which is a very typical thing that these kids do. They're actually coached on the internet, what they're, they're supposed to say and what they're supposed to do. So, you know, she would go back to, well, I've been feeling this since fifth grade or fourth grade. And um, of course the pictures all belie that fact, but, you know, in her mind, she's been feeling this from the age of 10. This has always been a part of her. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, not true. Um, what has been a part of her? Was she able to conceptualize what this trans thing was to her or what this? No, no. I would ask, I would ask her um, questions like what makes it, what makes you feel like you're a boy? And she would say, well, I don't like my period. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, well, what else? I don't like my breasts. Okay. Well, you just told me why you don't like being a girl. Tell me why you think that you're a boy. And then the conversation would break down. Like anytime I would ask those kinds of probing questions, she couldn't answer them. And that's okay. Um, that's part of the methodology of getting your child out of this is to ask questions that they can't answer in a loving, kind way, and then walking away and hope that later they think about it and think, hmm, you know, I can't answer that. Um, I got, I asked her if, because the Johnson and Johnson vaccine had come out and it was more dangerous allegedly for females. I I said, well, is that more dangerous for you? And she said, yeah, and screamed at me. And of course I know that. I know that. I know I'm female. Okay. 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 So female and the, her physical sex and her gender identity, she could tell them apart or she knew when one thing was being spoken of and apparently yeah apparently i mean they don't think cogently they're 13 um 
pero hmm. and they throw a lot of things from what they hear on the internet you'd hear social construct that's a social construct well what does that mean hmm. can't answer that question a cell phone is a social construct and then you just take <laughs> it away from her <laughs> Well, I did do that. I did do that. That was my method. Okay. How did that work? Then? How did you method? Well, uh, once, once she came out as transgender and I was able to, at, at that point, um, mentally, she was in a really fragile, bad place, extremely depressed. And um, I was able to get into her phone. She gave me all of her passwords and I, um, I quickly dis discovered that the social media that I was tracking on her was her fake social media. So she would have one Instagram account that mom and dad would look at and then another one. Hmm. And in looking at all of that, I mean, she was on Twitter. She had pedophiles, literally pedophiles contacting her 25 year old men and i know this because i called them i would call these random numbers in her phone um you know they communicate through pinterest even which i had no idea again gen xer um i got into tiktok accounts i got into everything and i just started to see all the groomers and all the other kids that were grooming each other um it's really quite alarming um i hmm. saw texts among 14 year old girls teaching each other how to uh find sugar daddies um and it was real <laughs> you know i mean this is real this was so I, I, yeah the the fourteen year old um, like this weird kind of twisted babysitters club. I'm sure there's some sort of weird uh, story out there about girls doing this at some point. Um, so they would these fourteen year old girls would teach each, each other to get sugar daddies, um, which I suppose that they're getting they're exchanging one thing for another thing. Is this all happening under the umbrella of the LGBTQ plus I gender flux thing? And and how does that make yeah. sense that these girls are maximizing the heterosexual evolutionary dynamic um, under the umbrella of this uh, non heterosexual ideology or queer ideology? Well, here's how it works. Here's how it works. So when you put a FTM on your profile, which is female to male, it is like a beacon. It is like a siren out there into the Internet world where people say that is a girl who's having issues. So they are they are found. They're found. Then these girls chat together. And because they are truly boys their breasts really aren't their bodies their bodies are not really their bodies so hmm. using th those bodies is like using somebody else so it's like a meat avatar it's no different than your twitter account it's just right it's really not you 
that's selling these naked pictures. It's not your body, and it's not going to be your body in the future because you're not going to have those bits anymore. So that's how that mentality works. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, the uh, there's a slight legal problem of 14 year olds selling nudes of themselves. Is there not? And are you aware of any criminal justice activity that's going on to investigate this? Well, when when I saw the the text going back and forth, I I called the police um, and uh, they told me that we didn't have a case because luckily my daughter was smart enough to say, I'm not doing that. Don't do that. I'll send you money. Please don't do that. It's a bad idea. Um, but it was up to the parents of the other kids to prosecute. And I only could um, get the true identity of one of the kids on the chat rooms because they all have fake names and they're all over the country. Um, and that mom didn't want to pursue anything. But the... Um, the police did tell us that this is how um, trafficking of kids happens. It's um, is it's, you know, it's through the internet. It's through these back channels of, you know, getting money uh, for pictures. And then it just continues on. So not to put too fine a point on this, if school is teaching them, that they can be all these different sexualities and then um, in some cases even allowing them to socially transition. And that is happening in an official capacity and that's translating into behavior where these young minors are now trafficking themselves sexually. Uh, It seems to be a a school to prostitution pipeline going on here. So even if they're not groomed in school, the the outcome is that they're becoming uh, more and more likely to be trafficked or to traffic themselves. Well, I'm going to tell you that I believe that they are groomed in school. I don't think the teachers know that that's what they're doing. I think some of them do, but certainly not all of them know that they're grooming these kids. Okay. Uh, How is that? I, I would like the strongest possible case. Uh, for that. So how are they being groomed in school? How is this happening uh, that they're turning into sex slaves or sex sellers or sex workers in a way? Well, you can go to the California Teachers um, Association. You can go to their website and you can watch some of the videos where you have teachers teaching other teachers that seven-year-olds are sexual beings seven-year-olds, that they need LGBTQ clubs at the K through, at all grades. Um, You can hear teachers talking about TK. Do you know what TK is? Oh, no. Do I want to know? 
That's why I said nobody ever, nobody's ever happy after they talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, TK, TK is uh, kids that are not quite ready for kindergarten. So they're four. Um, And so there are teachers that are reading playing jazz to um, that age group for saying that doctors can make mistakes and that a child can be born in the wrong body and a girl can be a boy and a boy can be a girl. So they're, they're planting the seed. Um, They're planting the seed that their bodies really aren't their bodies. And and that that their their bodies are sexual and not really their bodies or could possibly not be their bodies. So that's teaching them that dissociation in this very uh, specifically about sexuality, which is a very powerful, profound um, kind of life and mind altering activity. And then they're they're So there are they're planting seeds to make that much more malleable and manipulatable by somebody who's who can kind of convince them this way or that way. Right. It, it, it normalizes it normalizes sexuality in a young person's mind when they can't comprehend it. Kind of the it cart before become, the yeah. horse kind of thing. It won't become what? I'm sorry. It won't become weird for, you know, an adult to talk to them about sex then because they've already heard it from their kindergartner or first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, seventh grade, learning the word polyamorous. What 11-year-old knows about being polyamorous or pansexual? Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? I didn't know what that meant. Uh, well, I, I was, I don't know. Some people are earlier bloomers than others, you know. I, I remember some, some girl and some boys would have, like, they would, be a part of the hookup culture and hold hands with one guy and then another guy, you know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the dosy doe, but that's not really polyamory that they're not shacking up. Well, one would right. wouldn't think they're doing that. Yeah. So yeah, the schools have a big hand in this and, and, and the schools are getting worse and worse. Um, in the, in the in the grooming of kids i mean i find that it's grooming to um to take a child and let that child change his or her name and his or her pronouns outside of the parents and i think that's the definition of grooming um keeping secrets from the parents and teaching in in the process teaching the children that they need to have a kind of a another persona that their true public persona Right. And triangulating. I mean, how confusing to a child to believe that the person that raised them and the person that they hopefully love unconditionally is actually the bad person and the teacher is the good person, the only safe person. I like to tell this story about about my daughter Um, when she started ninth grade. It was, you know, the pandemic never stepped foot in the door of that school and they changed her name they changed her name and her pronouns and when I called the school and read them the riot act you know I I mean said what colors her hair how tall is she fat skinny 
What's her favorite color? They knew nothing about my child. Nothing. But they changed her identity? I mean, think about that. They changed what she thought of herself. And they were self-righteous about it. On what basis? Were they able to reason through this challenge? We need, we need to, you know, the, the, we need to keep, have a safe space for the child. Sometimes this is the only safe place for them. Well, then, by extension, I must be unsafe, I said. And apparently I was, because CPS showed up at my door. They called Child Protective Services for you trying to protect your child against public schools. They did. Now, coinciding with that, I had already told the school, because I was aware of the internet use, and I said, can we put in safeguards for my child, you know, block some YouTube, block some sites, um, because pedophiles are contact are in contact with my child. Um, so they had also, you know, um, found some kind of search my daughter did is how many, um, well, I don't want to tell this story because it, it will, it might identify her, mm. but some kind of indication, like, could you, could you die from, you know, eating pop rocks, something, you know, something similar to that. And they said that that was a suicide claim. So they sent CPS to my house. Um, but I believe that it was because I refused to call her the male name. And I believe that because I am involved in a parent group and there are 90 of us um, in my local area. And my story about having CPS come to my house because of the name and pronoun is not an outlier. It's happened to at least three other families. And it will continue to happen because the California Teachers Association, once um, the name usage and pronouns to be considered child abuse against parents. And the CPS is at their beck and call, or is there structures in place where we can not allow police or criminality to be uh, used, or the bludgeon of the state to be used to enforce the teachers' unions' will? Uh, Child Protective Services is also captured by the gender ideology. They... All these groups are taught one version of um, gender identity. And that version is that support equals affirmation 100%. And that's it. That's the only lens you can look through is that you are doing the wrong thing if you don't affirm your child's chosen identity, whatever it is. It's abuse. Yes. Yes. So if we just run a thought experiment 
the the teachers union working in conjunction with CPS now has uh, in loco parentis. They basically become uh, the parents of these children up to a certain point. And then when the parents don't agree, they take the children away. So it could be the case that we're just going to have a b- whole bunch of residential, trans-residential schools, like we're going to have to build a reservation and all these housing. I mean, wh- where is all the money going to come from if they're going to take the children from the taxpayer and the taxpayer has no say over it? I mean, if wh- what's the limiting principle for this? I, I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what the end game is. I mean, all I know is that the school that was so concerned about my child, that public school, when I pulled her from that school and sent her to another school, nobody called to see how she was doing. They didn't care after that. They got their pat on the back. We did the right thing. We we gave the safe space. We let this girl use a boy name. Yippee-yay-yay. We don't care about that kid. So yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what the end game is. Hmm. I don't I, I I don't know. I don't know why parents are considered the evil one in 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 every avenue. What do you mean um, beyond the gender thing? The enemy. How are the parents the enemy in other ways? Uh, well, um. I wrote an article about our local Catholic school that also thought it was in my daughter's best interest to call her by a male name. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I guess that's a really... Is this like a very specific form of California Catholic or something? I think the really important part of what I'm saying here is that it's not just the public schools that are falling into the let the child lead. The child knows him or herself, the authentic self. We need we need to protect this child. Um, It's all over the private schools. Um, the $50,000 a year private schools, the small private schools, the big private schools, the Catholic private schools, which really that that honestly blew my mind, blew my mind. But kind of going back to where the parents get beaten up. So I wrote an article about it under a pseudonym. And, you know, the readers bashed me on the one end. Why am I um, such a coward that I won't reveal the school? Why won't I reveal myself? I'm lying. And then on the other end, I have the trans activists saying, I'm a bad parent. My child should be taken from me. I'm evil. We just get beaten up. Either way. You said there's 90 people in your group that's local that's an insanely high number uh, depending on how what do you mean by local you know you, maybe you're in LA and there's millions of people around you but still this is uh, not uncommon it's not uncommon what are some of the ways that you guys are working together and that other parents um, out there can uh, find strategies of coping with the child, but also starting to strategize against these organizations that are incredibly powerful and doing this uh, 
what I think is the not unfair to say evil uh, work. Sorry to go there, but no, no, there's, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there's, there's a trajectory as a parent. First, first you save your child. Yeah. Uh, first, you know, your, your first year in this or two years in this is absolute hell. Hmm. And you're just trying to keep your child alive and healthy in your relationship. And then you get angry and I'm at the angry spot. Um, and you think, what can we do to stop this? Because this has to stop, especially now that they're hitting the four-year-olds and the five-year-olds in school. Um, we have to raise awareness and start fighting back. And what I have been trying to do um, is get all the groups that are fighting against this to join forces. And it's strange, bedfellows, uh, for sure. I'm a Democrat. Oh, no. Are you saying you're polyamorous on a political? Uh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't, 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 uh, don't shame me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit loose when it comes to my bedfellows at the moment. <laughs> but, um, but for a much Puritan, much more Puritan reason. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I am uh, I am trying to get the Catholics, the evangelicals, the lesbians, the uh, radical feminists, the Republicans, the critical minded Democrats. We all have skin in this game. There is a common thread, which is to safeguard children and youth, because at 18, they're, they still don't know what they're doing. We all need to be fighting this together and put all those other differences aside just for a moment because there's a lot of us and the sleeping giant is the parents of young kids that don't know what is headed their way um, hmm. and we're bigger than they are we will be more funded than they are and there's way more many of more of us than there are on the on the activist side and we need to mm -hmm. we need to vote that way i mean i i don't think i'd ever say this well i'm on your podcast so i'm gonna say it but i mean i'm voting republican in 2022 i have no choice but to support a party that um is benefiting families it's what happened in Virginia. I hope it happens across the country. I hope maybe Democrats wake up and see that the wokeism is not something that families appreciate. I am. Um, I'm. I'm in a tough spot right now because uh, how things are shaping up in Canada and how things have been shaping up with the media machine and our current administration um, putting uh, things in place to call political dissidents enemies of the state and to uh, enable themselves to go after bank accounts and to cast anybody who, who says, let's say, if you happen to vote for Trump, maybe your name's on a list now. I wouldn't put it beyond, I mean, even AOC was calling for these lists to be formed. So if the, if what, 
I'm sorry. I, I'm a little blackpilled right at this moment. I'm trying to find my spiritual light and stuff. But what's to stop them from completely strangling any sort of pushback to this? I mean, how do we how do we form a solid enough coalition? Like, what are I don't know if there's some sort of idea base or value set that we can we can really lock in because things might get really, really tough. And they will be tough for, I mean, you guys are on the front lines. Parents of ROGDs are on the front lines. And there's academics who are on the front lines with the cancel culture thing. You know, there's a lot of people who have suffered already, but this stuff won't stop until there is a very firm resistance. And so I guess there's steps to get that to happen sooner rather than later. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts. On if you could give those to me, if anybody could give those to me. Look, I, I was not an activist. I was, yeah. you know, a mom and a professional. This is this is a whole new um, persona I've taken on. And I'm just figuring out what my superpowers are or if I have any to change mm-hmm. this. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just learned how to use Twitter. Okay. Go. Welcome <laughs> so I'm a true Gen, Gen, Gen X, but I think it's going to happen. In the year and, the, and a half that I've been involved in this, I've seen an enormous amount of change. More and more level? people. Well, parents are coming out in droves. Uh People are running for office. People are standing up at school board meetings. Lawsuits, the lawsuits. I mean, that's that's going to turn the tide a lot. Do you have any information about lawsuits? Sure. And where they're what the line of attack on those are? Yeah. So right now there are um, three in Florida, and this is just related to the schools, which I think is should be our prime focus. Um. Because the tale of the gender ideology starts, won't end until we get to the youngest who's being affected. Um, Okay, so in Florida, there's three lawsuits. There are two against public schools. One one happened, was filed a week ago. A 12-year-old girl um, attempted to hang herself twice at school. Her parents only found out about the second time. Um, she had a counselor who was counseling her to take on the male persona, despite being female. That's a that's in Florida. There's another, um, the Little Johns, and they've been out there on the press. They they had a I believe 13 year old daughter who was coached into being trans identified. Um, there is also a family who, again, a Catholic school. They donate it. million to the school. They want their money back because um, at that Catholic school, their daughter was called a male name. And they, of course, don't believe that the school was Catholic by following the gender ideology. So those are three suits in Florida. Um, They are all parental right suits. In Wisconsin, there are two going on right now. There's one going to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Again, the name and pronouns. In 
uh, Virginia in Loudoun County. Uh, three teachers have filed a lawsuit against the school district for their religious convictions in not having or being forced to call a boy a girl. I don't know where that case is right now. I, um, and then there's um, there's one that was filed in California in 2022, and that's at Spreckles Unified School District that has been all over the news. Um, and that is a 13-year-old girl who um, was brought into the you know, what their version of the GSA, which they called UBU, you know, to hide it from the parents. <laughs> I think Abigail Schreier did an article on it where um, these teachers admitted to having this club at lunchtime so that they could hide it from the parents. Um, this young girl um, was first coached into believing that she's bisexual. Again, seventh grade. So, explain that one to me um and then took on a trans identity and had you know severe depression and whatnot but that's the first california case and um the parents in my group they're lining up their attorneys we need some medical malpractice attorneys there's there's one in um i believe in san francisco that is uh looking for class action um, for uh, puberty blockers, but um, we need the lawsuits. I think until the lawsuits really start hitting, um, I think that I just think that's a really important piece. Mm -hmm. And I think we also need to uh, we need to vote family first, regardless of what party you're in. Find the candidate who is going to protect the family unit and parental rights. I never Are, thought I'd be a one-issue voter. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so, against, so against my nature. Well, um, you know, trying times. Is there, are you aware of a, I don't know if it would be a firm or some sort of, I don't know what it would be called. I know like a, a fund or a law fund or some collection of lawyers that are uh, or group of, of parents that are connecting lawyers is there resources on, on supporting this or, or uh, finding, um, finding one for yourself if you're in such a situation. Um, there's the Alliance defending families. Okay. Is it called the Alliance. It's ADF is the, um, and they have taken on a couple of these lawsuits um, the Dillon, D-H-I-L-L-O-N law group has taken the California case, um, WIT, Wisconsin Institute, another, another law firm in Wisconsin, but most of these are taken pro bono. Oh, um, okay. They're conservative groups, uh, but... You know, that's another thing, you know, we parents get get a lot of grief claiming that we're conservative and the majority of us, we're Democrats. <laughs> well, that, that's you're basically all right at this point. So welcome to the club. Yes. Yes. We, we get beaten up, too, because the only the only you know media that will print us is 
conservative media, well, isn't that rich? You know, we send articles to the New York Times and they just ignore us. Um, we don't exist. They take down our they take down our comments. We don't exist. Um, you know, it's frightening. It's it's really frightening how um, opinions that are unliked by by who, like who's the group? Who's who's the group that decides? You know, two twenty five year olds. Like who is the group that decides? We print. We we try to print on Zazzle. You know, the website Zazzle, you can make T-shirts and Hmm. mugs. Detransition Awareness Day postcards. They shut us down for hate speech. Who's the they? Who's the kid or the adult saying that that's hate speech? I mean, I just don't know what world we live in anymore. It happened very, very quick. It seems. What do you think? What do you think the answer is? What do, what do you think is going to stop this? Well, um, awareness, um, stories such as yours, such stories such as the detransitioners, um, thought, rationality, uh, reforming education to teach children how to think, like really how to reason. I think that there's a huge lack of reasoning. I don't think that we can take the internet the internet away from kids, but it's not teaching them to to doubt and to be uncomfortable right um so just reverse engineering intelligence you know reverse engineering the the foundations of of liberal democracy which is and and republicanism in the sense that we have a certain type of human being that has the values that can maintain and run a society what are those and then how do we have different groups with different belief systems get along with each other without succumbing to warfare or being taken over by a very zealous minority? What we're seeing is the overtaking of a very zealous minority that's preying upon empathy, um, preying upon compassion. Uh, at this point in time, it, there, there are other malignant um, groups out there that, um, that are you know, more fundamentalist or more conservative. But at this time, coming from the left, the left was not aware, the liberals, the Democrats were not aware of the weaknesses on their side. And so it just kind of came through the, the media apparatuses that they, and then the school apparatuses that they staffed and, and, and functioned. And it, it just, it, also, you can go in, you can go into the theory and the history of all this stuff, you know, and you can see how there's a there's a march through the institution, and it just it was enough generations on board for this, and then all of a sudden, the I guess millennials who had been indoctrinated in this by the Gen Xers, by the Boomers, finally had uh, enough headway to to just take over. Um, so, just returning to some sort of American value, some sort of some sort of value, some sort of idea of what a human being is that can run society, whatever that would be. Um, so we look at the different behaviors that works um, with that. So psychological health, too. What is psychological health? What is it to be psychologically healthy? Yeah, yeah I think the phone. Um, I mean, if you look at the if you look at Gene Twenge's studies, mm-hmm. the trajectory of mental health with the youth from 2010 suicidality, suicide, depression, it all goes straight up. You look at the, you, you transpose the graph on transgenderism. It's, you know, the lines line up. Um, 
I think the phone causes a schizophrenic brain. Hmm. You're hit with so much information. Um, and if you don't know how to sift through that information, you can't decipher what's fact and fiction. And I mean, it's just bombard your brain. Our brains are not designed to be hit with 200 emails and Instagram, this and this tweet and that tweet, like you're, it just doesn't function that quickly. And so it Hmm. basically gets into overload. Yeah. Um, imagine trying to develop a brain in that in that situation i mean what how do you have a sense of uh of self where's your sense of self i guess it's just identity i'm just an identity i'm just a box i'm an avatar i'm an avatar i can and i can create it and dismantle it and rebuild Mm -hmm. it however however i want um you're right i mean I, i think if the internet you can't undo it but If it it weren't there, I think it'd be an easier lift to Mm. bring reality back because there is no reality anymore. It's all self-created. Oh, geez. Welcome to postmodern wasteland. Welcome to the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We all have systems now. I'm this on Wednesday and this on Tuesday. Are you... um, just to give a pinch of hope, even if you don't believe in hope at this point in, in, in time and history, uh, have there been strategies that you've seen among your parent group to pass forward for, for these young men and women um, on, on leading them uh, back to stability? Uh, has that been uh, something that you've seen happen and a little raise of yeah. hope or practices among yeah. other parents? Yeah, yeah. So, so there are there are people in our group who have desisted children and detransitioned children. So, desisted means that they did not medicalize in any manner, um, and then came back to their being comfort comfortable in their uh, true bodies. Um, and then the detransitioners, those who have medicalized and and have come back to being comfortable in their bodies. Um, my daughter is one of those. Um, and there is no, you know, there's no, there's no path that works for each kid. They're all very different because they ended up here in a similar manner, but, um, by different roads. Um, in my, in my daughter's case, I, I, I took a really hard line and, um, because I really had nothing left to do. I had nothing else left. So I took her phone. Um, I, I stripped it of everything, no social media, nothing. It was a phone. I actually changed her telephone number. So, you know, I could cut out all the bad people who had been calling her and nefarious friends who encouraged her. Um, I changed schools. Uh, you know, I, I, I sent her away to month of camp with, no online services. I mean, I, I did everything I could possibly do. I, I don't want, I don't mean this question to be, uh, to give any details about your daughter and, and your identity, but what general kind of camp was it? Like a ropes camp, a horse camp? 
like a like a building you know, fires in the a, wilderness camp. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't for mental health. I think that yeah. that was the point of it. I didn't want to send her to a place mm-hmm. that was designed for mental health. It was designed for activity. Um, I think it's really important that these kids understand the power of their bodies, hmm. how amazing their bodies are, just the way they are, um, what strength th- that they have, um, and they need to be tired. I mean, it's almost like a baby, you know, hmm. wor- work them hard all day long, tire them out, they go to bed, and they don't have the ability to ruminate about uh, the gender ideology stuff they don't they don't have time to kind of spend all this time what label am i what mental health problem do i have they're exhausted they go to bed and it brings them back into the real world where they can touch and smell Mm -hmm. and feel things um i think that's really important and it's hard to do like you can't sometimes do it i didn't have the power as a parent to take her to go hiking with me and say, look at the beautiful scenery and an ocean and mm-hmm. look at the ducks. Like she didn't want to do that with me. So um, I think that's important um, to get them out of their heads and away from technology. Um, that brings up another good uh, resource. Well, two good resources, uh, like literally safe schools like a list of schools that are not on board with the gender ideology or won't forward it. And then also lists of camps and, and other activities that don't have, aren't captured by this. Yeah. It's getting harder to find those camps now too. Um, mm-hmm. They're terrified of misgendering a kid, you know? So um, hmm. you kind of have to, you have to do some research and you have to be pretty direct and, and what you're asking the camp counselors. Um, you know, I was thinking of, of doing kind of a third world country trip this mm-hmm. summer, you know, spend a, spend a month in Nepal. Um, you're not going to really have time to think about your gender there. It's not an issue. <laughs> kind of getting them away from um all the media that's promoting this. I mean, you can't pass a magazine stand now without mm-hmm. look at this great trans person celebrate, you know, woman, woman of the year. And it's a man like these messages are confusing to these kids. It's concretizing it. It's, it's making delusional thought reality for them and you need to pull them away from it. It's not always easy to do. I mean, financially, it's mm-hmm. it, it's a lot. Yeah, a lot of a lot a lot a lot of parents are dependent on the public school system for um, you know, teaching the children and you know, engaging with them while the parent tries to make ends meet. And and that's um, you know in California they have a school choice. I think they're the Republican Party is looking for school choice, which would be if it passes, you'd get $14,000 a year um, for your student and you can educate your your child at whatever school you want to, which mm-hmm. sounds great in theory. But like I said, the private schools are captured, too. 
Yeah. And $14,000 in California may or may not cover the tuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it, it's a dangerous proposition, although intriguing, um, because the wealthy kids will take the $14,000, go to the private school, and then the kids that are left in public school are the even um you know, more marginalized kids, we get the greater divide economically, we get the greater divide racially. To me, it's it's terrible. Um, we need to fix the public schools. But, you know, the CTA, the California Teachers Association is so strong. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe teachers need to know that, you know, when they pay their dues, they pay twenty five dollars um, each year that goes to the LGBTQ, they can opt out of it. That's taking $7.7 million away from the LGBTQ side of things. Maybe teachers should stop paying that $25. Um, Maybe teachers who are tenured should start standing up. They can't be fired. Um, Hmm. Because I think there are teachers out there who are saying, whoa, what, what is happening? Why are there now so many non-binary kids in my class? They're 30, they've been teaching for 30 years, and now all of a sudden they have all these boys saying they're girls and girls saying they're boys. It can't be organic. We know that. Hmm. These teachers know that. So they need to stand up too. We all need to stand up at the same time and call, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, call, bull- oh, call bullshit. Oh, that's that's just called bullshit, you know? Well, it's, a, yeah, techni- it's a technical term now, and, and we're all watching <laughs> it. <laughs> good, 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 good. It's one of my favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> sure you got a lot of use out of it recently. <laughs> but come on. I mean, really? How many people really believe that Leah Thompson is is a woman? The swimmer at Penn? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 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 I mean, if you've seen the bathing suit shots, you know. Yeah. We're all That's afraid it. to say it. Why aren't we saying it? Why aren't coaches saying it? Why aren't parents saying it? Why aren't students at Penn saying it? They are, and they're routinely uh, mocked and silenced and ganged upon. Yeah. What if we all say it at the same time? Mm-hmm. Like Horton hears a who. They all had to yell at the same time. We all have to yell at the same time. I didn't expect a Seuss reference, but thank you for that. <laughs> Another one of my favorites. <laughs> so in, in your parents' group with the CPS coming after some of you guys, is there... Um, I hope that there's, because I know that it happens in New Zealand and has happened in New Zealand, Australia, or at least in provinces or whatever they call their states out there. Um, Are there, is there yet a substantive fear that children can be now routinely taken from parents? Um, And how are people forestalling that or getting ready to, to snap down on the CPS? And so, Parents who have, and and I don't have the metrics of this, but 
from my experience, parents who have a um, a marriage that is stable um, don't tend to lose their kids. Um, it ha- it has happened in another state, but I can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but where it happens is when the parents are divorced and there's a custody um, battle. Um, and that happens a lot because the stress that parents feel when a kid comes out as transgender is something that I can't even explain. It's just such a heavy burden that marriages implode. Um, And so the one parent may be affirming and the other parent may be against it. And um, in that case, at least in the state of California, you can venture a guess who gets custody of that child. It's the affirming parent. Mm-hmm. So that it and and in fact, um, uh, there is a document that is part of the National Education Association's website that will tell teachers it instructs teachers that when there's a custody disagreement that teachers should be prepared to testify on behalf of the parent who is affirming. Oh. Uh, so, yes. So you can imagine what CPS is instructed and what um, the judges are probably learning that the parent who is affirming again is the good parent and the parent who is questioning is the bad parent. So the parent who affirms gets the child. And that is what my experience is with our family group. Not that CPS is coming in and yanking the kid out of a, you know, a solid family. Um, But that's, that, that's not going to surprise me if that starts happening too. Um, these kids also, uh, you know, in looking at my daughter's phone, they coach each other. And my daughter was 13. She was looking at emancipation. Older kids were telling her what to say to emancipate. She was looking at attorneys to hire to emancipate. Um, so, you know, and, they're and I'm sure she was promised a, a great, a great wonderful loving family that that is her real family that will take care of her but i'm sure that for anybody who goes down that route they end up on the street they end up with no one i i think that the tendency would be that this family doesn't actually care in a material way such as parents do but just a wild guess it's well your guess is correct your guess is correct i mean the people the people who take these then runaway kids or kids who don't like their parents, who do you think takes them? A nice, a nice, solid family? No, 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 no. No. Trans activists will take them. You know, who knows who, t- who takes these, take these kids, but who wants a 14 year old kid that's a runaway and trans identifying? Or they go into a group home and, you know, then they get sucked into a life of drugs and 
and worse. So, but they're, but they're told that that's better than mm-hmm. living with their transphobic, bigoted parents. That's what they read online. That's what they're, they're, they're sold a book of goods that doesn't exist. Wow. Okay. And again, you know, these are 14, 15 year old brains that mm-hmm. they're not able to think about re- the reality. A, to go one step further to a place I've only heard rumors about, but the foster care system and this, <laughs> and uh, it must not be, it must, in 10 years from now, we're going to have a uh, whole lot of ruined lives. You think, because here in California, they're so smart. The legislators are so smart. What they oh, yeah, say, it's California. You guys know everything, don't you? Oh, gosh, we're so smart. So, you know, what we do here is um, the law is, is that if you're 12 and you are in foster care, you get to dictate your gender health. 12. Your gender health. Yeah, you get to you get to dictate whether you get those surgeries or your cross-sex hormones at the right age of 12. Oh, okay. Okay. Wait, what? A 12 year old. Okay. Are, are they are they uh, taught biology, um, you know, in, in fifth and sixth grade? So they f- are fully informed um, with their own health uh, trajectory and how their body works. Because California would definitely educate the child to have them have informed consent. That's the only ethical thing. To well, do. I don't know. According to, to some California teachers, um, Biology means that there's more than two sexes, not genders, sexes. So I don't know, even if they are taught biology, I don't know what kind of biology they're taught. But I mean, I know you're being facetious here, but um, yeah, 12, the kids dictate their own, their own uh, gender. the The state pays for that. Too. It sure does. And, and, and one, one with, and there's no mental health requirement either. So, I mean, I'm sure these 12 year olds who are in the foster care system have no kind of trauma in their background, zero, I mean, zero. So they are certainly able to consent to what is going to happen to their bodies and certainly be able to see the future, even though most people all of them don't have the faculties until they're 25. These special, this special group of 12 year olds um, have got it all figured out. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting in California, they, um, they sterilized, uh, they have a history like 30 years ago, they sterilized a bunch of mentally ill people and they just, I think um, voted to um, give some restitution to these people that they sterilized. Well, gosh, imagine what that restitution dollar amount is going to be when they're sterilizing all these kids in foster care. I mean, you're being pretty optimistic that California is still going to be around to pay <laughs> reparations the way it's headed. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. A little Sodom and Gomorrah vibes down there, sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be in California. Mm. I mean, this is... Yeah. 12 year old, 12, 12. Think yeah. of, I convinced an 11 year old, literally, that there was a monster in the woods. 
I had him screaming, running, because there was a pair of jeans hanging from a tree and that there was the jean man lived there. And he just went tearing out of the woods. And this kid has the brain in a year to decide whether he's going to keep his body parts or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can consent. They can consent to nothing. Um, why, why we are thinking that children have the brains of adults, I just, I, I'm still looking for the study. I'm still looking for the study. I've been looking for the study for two years where it says that the brain doesn't mature uh, until the age of 25, except for yeah. gender identity. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you have a male brain and a female body, of course, that male brain would develop twice as fast as every other brain and just makes sense you know right 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 oh shoot well what about the converse though what about the boys who think that they're girls that's a whole other subset i guess um, they'd have to wait till they're what 30 40 yeah they're, well they're or, the or not at all in your book they're the, the female brain is i'm all... still developing i don't know man <sighs> there is a the specifically with foster care, everybody who is paying taxes in California is culpable for the mutilation of the bodies of children. It is a stain. I'm I'm sorry to come down. It's really hard for me to be. I try to be like this neutral person, but with the children stuff, it's like this is. I mean, okay, you know, even Jesus nice guy you know whether he's god or not but even he pretty nice guy said it's better to like tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into a river than to harm children i think he was on to something about that so i kind of get on shaky moralistic ground when we talk about children but it just it's unconscionable unconscionable what's going there on there should be no shaky ground for you no this this is no there's not even a question that's why i'm here that's why even though i i could just go merrily on my way in my life now that my daughter's pretty much desisted. No, they're messing with with children and, and who is there to fight for them? We all have to be there to fight for them. I mean, if this if this if the state is and we're pay, we're we're complicit in every manner. I mean, we're we're paying for it for through our um insurance. You know, the California insurance, we pay for that. Our schools, we're paying for that. We're paying for harming children. We're paying for CPS. We're paying for these kids in foster care. Yeah, we're, we're harming children every single day. And you talk about compassion when people actually realize that. And that, you know, these kids are not committing suicide because they're trans identified but they are they are going to have to live with ruined bodies and sterility that's a fact that's a fact so yeah it's it, it's repulsive to me it's absolutely repulsive and it, you know it, it's so sad to me that you're going to have to cover my face here and then i use a pseudonym and I, I can't use my real name to fight for kids. Not yet. I will. I will. But what world did we live in that parents can't protect their kids and can't 
be vocal. It can't be their true selves. I don't, I don't understand how we got here. So, happy resources. day. <laughs> what are some resources for, for parents in your situation uh, along the different arcs that you've been in? Advocacy, uh, help for their kids. What would you uh, um, Well, there's, uh, there's an international group called um, GenSpec. Yep. Um, there's PIT, um, no. which is um, a substack with parents writing their stories. Okay. Um, PITT.com or something? Yeah. And it's parents. All of links a- will be in the yeah. description. Um, and they're sorry, I'm going on, on my computer for a second because this it's all good. is I want um, advocates protecting children. Um, and there's PEC. There's a lot of there's a lot of groups out there right now. Um, there's the um, ROGD Kids, which is the parent support group. And there's a lot of books. I think um, Desist, Detox, and Detrans by Maria Keffler was the one that was most helpful to me in that it gave, um, it gave me the words mm-hmm. and the questions to ask my child. I mean, Abigail Schreier's you know, Irreversible Damage tells the story. But if you want to know how, how to start getting your child out of this, um, there's some really good podcasts too on, on how to speak. And now, and now these groups, I mean, these groups are, they're just growing and they're, they're putting together letters that parents can send to schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I like your recommendation of a month of hard labor too. Uh, <laughs> <kind of> <laughs> yeah. My my daughter still talks about how awful it was, and then I was like, "Yes, I did the right thing." <laughs> you sent her to the to the mines to, to like get gemstones. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really harsh, uh, but yeah, that's what I did. I I I, I didn't have anything left, and you know, she's she's only she's still young. I still have a long way to go. I can't say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We're out of the woods. Um, there's so much pull on this. There's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a Herculean task to keep your child safe in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, incredibly, um, it, it's unimaginable, and it's a problem that people aren't going to realize this for a while, or a lot of people haven't realized this. That the people who are saying that there are there to protect your child and to raise your child and to to help you uh, get the most uh, uh, opportunity for your child or or at the helm of uh, just some despicable um, absolutely uh, indefensible child abuse yeah absolutely most of most of them who want to help your child they don't have children they know nothing about kids except that they want to take yours. Yeah. 
So, um, it seemed like you're, you're dead set on, on leaving everybody not smiling, but do you, do you, do you have like a cool, cool hobby or a video game that you play? Are you into like a world of Warcraft or, or, uh, uh, do you, do you have a project that you do, uh, in your garage that you don't mind sharing? Um, I, fun? I, I stay off computers as much as I can. I, I think okay. they're, they're, yeah. they're time suck. I'm more of an outdoors person. Oh, cool. Works. Um, so I, I run and. Oh, cool. I have I have a dog that keeps me busy. I heard the dog. We heard the yeah. dog. <laughs> Sorry about that. that Sorry about bad. that. We're having this during walk time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely want to walk. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I mean, mostly uh, I've become a bore, unfortunately. This, mm. you know, this this overwhelms mm. all of the all of the fun that I used to be, but I still take some time. Well, I, I thank you on behalf of myself, and um, I also thank you on behalf of people who uh, might stumble into this interview and take courage uh, and uh, take insight from your story. So thank you for being willing, so far as you've been able to, to speak up here and, and elsewhere. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate what you're doing. You were one of the first podcasts I stumbled upon. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was Weird. like, oh, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we're crazy together. Who knows? <laughs> well, yeah. Again, it goes back to neuro, neurodivergence. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know where you are, but I'm not totally sane. I'm just doing my best to be chill. So, yeah, I need a reality check. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. And yes. then, stop you... the recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>